Okay, today, Giannis, I want you to say welcome to the Meat Eater Podcast in Latvian. You can't give me just a little bit of a heads up. <laughs> Come on, just say welcome it's... to the Meat Eater Podcast in Latvian and then introduce everyone in Latvian. I don't speak Latvian, so you can say Kelly it. Kelly can do it. <laughs> Come on, Yanni. Sveitsinati. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Mesnagam Shordian, No Bozman, Montana, Meter Podcast, Leeds, Mumsir, Steve Ranella, Ryan Callahan, Brittany Brothers, Helen Cho, Un, Giannis Rudis Putella. That was amazing. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, in Latvian. We're uh, recording the Meteor Podcast out of Bozeman, Montana. We're in a place called Flats on Main, joined by Ryan Callahan. Uh, of uh, He's famous for working at First Light, and he's famous for um, his mustache, and he's famous for saying <laughs> once, uh, addressing a bear, smell us now, lady. <laughs> and <laughs> Brittany Brothers, who works with us at Meat Eater, Helen Cho, who works with us at Meat Eater, and then um, the Latvian lover, <laughs> Giannis Putelis, who works with us at Meat Eater. And we just got back from Helen and Brittany's first hunt. We're going to talk about first hunts. But first, I want to talk about something that happened to me and Giannis this morning. We're driving back from damn near Canada, just east of Glacier National Park, where you enter the plains. There's these little island mountain chains out there, and we were hunting there. And we're driving back today, and we happen to stop in and visit with, uh, we have to stop in along the long drive home and visit with this outfitter. And we, we pull in there, and there's a, a mule deer laying on a piece of plywood laying between two sawhorses. And it was, and it was funny because the mule deer season had been closed for some time. And it's laying there, and it had in the snow around it is all these magpie tracks, and it's frozen rock solid. And uh, we're told this story about how some guy was out and had killed it a couple weeks earlier and um, didn't want it, and they were going to donate it, and did we want it, and it had been there two weeks. And I was so depressed um, leaving there, and we had a big, I had like a big, like, uh, like a crisis. We almost took it. We offered to take it, but we but found out it was that like it was going there was to like a some family. family that was going to get it. It was just and then I, it's like I don't know, just the whole thing was weird and ugly, and it put me into a funk. And we're driving down the road, and I'm like talking about game wasters and how much I uh, how much I don't like them. And um, Yanni has some comment. He's like, "Well, yeah, but not everyone had a upbringing where that stuff was." respect it you know and it's like an education thing more than anything else and and, and, it, and as i'm saying this i'm almost ready to tell Giannis about how i was like i was going to tell him this story where i was like my old man would even go check other guys gut piles to get the heart and liver out of a gut pile and as i'm about ready to tell Giannis this we blow past a gut pile off in a field on the a side fresh of the road gut pile and we actually heard the hunt story we saw that too correlated right you guys did too so Apparently, these guys up in this area had gotten onto a herd of elk that came out of the flat, and um, I heard rumor. I can't say this is true, and I say rumor because it's not. It's it's very illegal. But um, they they apparently got after these elk with cell phones, and, and there was a herd of like 
27 cows and two spikes and it was all said and done all the cows were dead what and uh i mean legally tagged but you know i don't i don't even know that's true that's just what a guy said it might that might have not been true at all but anyways here's this gut pile on the side of the road out in the ag field and i said you know what turn around and i'm so upset about what happened earlier that day i'm like turn around i'm gonna go and get the heart and the liver out of that gut pile so yanni turns around drives back i walk out in the field with my knife start digging through the gut pile i'm looking for a ziploc i'm looking for a ziploc bag in the back of the truck and the heart and liver had been taken by the hunter wow (laughs) that's awesome and then i was back and then i was back into a good mood again meat season groceries (laughs) (laughs) and then i was back in a good mood and i was back in a good mood we had a nice drive home wow that's, That's like a, we saw that same gut pile. Yeah. Did you guys check it for heart and liver? Yeah. We did not check. You can tell I've been there. <laughs> yep. When I when I blew through, <laughs> the guys were out there. Skin. They were gutting another one across the street. Yeah. I guess you'd call it across County Road. They were yep. gutting another one. Did you stop in and ask about the heart and liver? <laughs> I did not. That brings us to what we were doing up in this in this chain of hills and. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves, Brittany and Helen? Helen's been on the podcast before. That's right. You guys took me fly fishing for the first time. Yep. Ruined Lots me forever. Lots of firsts. Lots yeah. of firsts for Helen. Crofted her with catch and release fishing. Did you release anything that day? Nope. You sure didn't release didn't it out. Didn't catch elk. anything either. <laughs> sure, she sure didn't release her out. So talk a little about what you do and, 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 and what we did. Don't talk about what we did. Talk about what you do. Like how you came to be introduced to all this. Oh. Um, well... So I work for ZPZ. I work for Meat Eater. Worked with you probably for four years. Yeah, four years, years. Four years. Um, yeah, basically we started the social media f- since the Wild Within when you were on Travel Channel and built the Meat Eater um, social press- presence from the ground up. So, Had you, uh, that was your introduction to hunting, obviously. Yeah, I met you through your photos, actually. Like, I remember one of my first jobs at ZPZ was to scan all these photos from this, like, personal, you know, like, archive. And I'm going through this photo album, and it's like, you know, it's like this kid. I don't know, he's, like, maybe four years old or something. Like, it gets progressively, like, this kid gets older and older, and it's, like, every single animal. You know, it's, like, snakes, raccoons. It's like, like Noah's Ark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm, like, who the hell is this dude? Um... But yeah, that's how I was introduced to you first. And I was like, wow. I mean, it was like every, I mean, you know, I grew up in New York. It's like, I had never seen a moose, like, like someone holding a moose like that. Or like, you know, like deer, um, hanging, I mean, everything. It was just Yeah, amazing. Helen was born, Helen was born and raised and lives. Were you born and raised in Manhattan? Mm-hmm. I was born in Manhattan, raised in Brooklyn. Still live in Manhattan today. And even went to, you went to NYU for college? Went to NYU. Yeah. So you're, uh, the point is you're New York to the core. Yeah. So, I mean, my... She's mad. Mad New York. Right? <laughs> no. No? Not no. Callahan's no. been trying to learn how to, to have... He's trying, Callahan's trying to learn how to have a, 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 zippier, uh, a zippier way of communicating. He's learned mad. What else? Brick. <laughs> uh, brick. I don't even know that one. Apparently, it's very cold. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Get but anyways, yeah. Me? 
Um, yeah. Um, so I've, I've also worked for ZPZ. I worked for ZPZ for like four years now, I think, and um, have worked for Meat Eater since the beginning in some capacity or another. I started out in the equipment room. Started um, out down in the deep south. Started out in the deep south, yeah. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. Um, but yeah, I have been lived in New York for seven years. You guys still flying that Confederate flag down there? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, they took that one they down. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, because they lost. Right, a long time ago. I guess they're kind of sore. Losers. Yeah, yeah us, northerners, us northerners had to come down there and show you guys how it's done. Yeah, well, you know, my family's from the north originally. I was born in Michigan. Oh, really? So I don't have that history. You guys were Carver You were born in Michigan? (laughs) I was born in Ann Arbor. Yeah, so oh. I don't have this. So you're like a cart. You guys are, your family's like a carpetbagger family. <laughs> sure, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, eventually made my way to New York, went to college, and yeah, started working for ZBZ in equipment. Well, as an intern for Helen, actually, Helen hired me. So we go way back. Is that right? Yeah, she hired me as an intern. Are there some highs and lows that went along with that? <laughs> no. Just all highs, all right? Highs, all highs. One of my first uh, jobs as an intern at ZPZ was trying to find a powder blue tuxedo for Ron Jeremy. That's a true. Is that right? Yep. That's a true story. True story. Yeah. Um, and that's my life has never been the same since. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, but I started working on mediator and equipment. Um, and packed all the gear, and it was always just like the dirtiest, messiest gear that we got back. I was just like, I Lots don't know what goes too. on. Oh, always something broken. What do you mean by gear? What, what type Equipment, of gear? Equipment, like camera gear. Um, I mean, we, we were in charge of camping gear, too. So, we, you know, sometimes you would come down to the second floor and, like, all the tents were out. It looked like... Uh, Nobody wanted to come to the second floor. <laughs> yeah, that's it's terrible. Like, the <laughs> smelliest, yeah. smelly man smell. Yeah. Ugh. That must not have been my tent. <laughs> I don't know whose tent, My tent it was. My smells like a lady. Does it? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> That's a personal problem. <laughs> well, I, I just, I just slept on the cot next to you, and I want to be specific about saying I slept on the cot next to you <laughs> for the last four, four nights, and I, I never smelled a lady. You never got a lady smell? No. <laughs> Um. But, yeah, so I worked in equipment. The gear was always horribly messy and dirty, and I spent many nights cleaning it. Um, and uh, I was just always kind of curious what went on. What was going on out there? Yeah, exactly. Um, and you grew up thinking that um, the hunters were like the devil's spawn. Well, you know, I grew up... <laughs> I am so <laughs> I grew up thinking that, you know, and I'm not saying this is all, you know, southern hunters, but I grew up thinking that they were just a bunch of, like, hillbillies drinking beer and shooting things for the hell of it. Well, there's aspects of that. I'm sure there are a handful (laughs) of those people, but I literally never thought of hunting as, like, a source of food at all. I just thought it was just, like, again, like, people just like to go out and shoot things. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't Um, know anyone who ate wild game. No, never at all. I mean, even today, like, none of our friends eat wild game. I, I mean, mean I have people a handful. who work people who work, you know, on the show obviously. Right. But, but I, I know a handful of people now. Yeah. Now back home and I mean I never realized before. But yeah. But then from equipment I worked started working in social media, strangely enough. Um and pretty much solely worked I mean we you know, we had all our other shows, but Meteor was sort of like the main show that I worked on. And that's really like how I came to know you, how you like came to know the crew a lot better. Mm-hmm. 
Um, not just our smells. Not just your smells <laughs> and the dirty Also, ear. from smells to smiles. <laughs> from smells to smiles. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, and then and then I worked on that cookbook shoot last year because yeah. Dan got super sick. And so I kind of had to, like, take over the logistics of that, um, which was a super fun. And yeah, you, that was, a, cra- that was, that was a crash out. course in all things wild game. Oh, absolutely. That book's not coming out for another year. Right. But, I mean, yeah. just to mention it. Um, and we started all talking about, we started talking about doing this trip one year ago. Mm-hmm. Was I it really a year ago? Yeah. It might have been more than a year Feels ago. like long, yeah, longer than that. No, I think it was. No? Well, yeah, probably a year. Yeah. Well, we kept bugging you. Yeah. It's like, one, you know. And I don't know if it you was guys like remember, but we talked about this at, in, in Vegas at SHOT Show last year. And I said, antelope. That's right. That would have not shots too far. I don't think it is. I think we talked about it at shot. No, I'm no, we did. We definitely talked about it at shot. We might have talked about it, but I would have said the shots are too far. Oh no, no. Okay, I got you. Not yeah. shot shots. Shot show. I just want. I want real quick. There's this big trade. It's like all shooting sportsman's hunting outdoor trade. That's what it stands for. Mm-hmm. But it's all. <laughs> wow. It's all um, all firearm industry stuff. So stuff from like mall cop stuff to hunter stuff to I think Callahan put it best when he was saying that you're talking to people and one guy comes up and he's a mall cop. The next guy come up and he's killed a hundred people in Afghanistan and it's very difficult to tell which one is which. Correct. All firearm related folk from hunting to military. Yes. I make I make a strong point to just be very polite. No. In all circumstances. Because you just can't tell what's going on there. So we were at this thing, SHOT Show, and it's, it's gigantic trade show, and apparently we talked about perhaps going antelope hunting. It took a long time to settle on the elk thing. that We, 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 just, yeah, we just are coming right now. Today, we left camp this morning from hunting cow elk in, you know, up near the Montana-Alberta line. And, um, and you guys, I was pressuring you guys to do a – something easier i wanted to go to doug duran's place and hunt whitetails and i just found out that they had the worst whitetail opening day on record <laughs> oh my god wow glad that we didn't do that doug said he couldn't see 75 yards why is that fog rain snow driving snow and fog Jeez. Oh, nothing happened no one got anything worst year on record Shit. so you guys got lucky and I tried talking to doing that. I tried talking to doing all manner of things. And you guys said you wanted to go to um, Montana or Alaska. Montana, Alaska. And what was cool about it is you got you guys um, had to do hunter safety. Mm-hmm. How'd that go? I mean, what was your impression? Yeah, I mean, it was a it was an eight hour online course, and then like a five hour classroom session with a very interesting instructor <laughs> super nice guy and we surprisingly enough we got a bunch of people from zpz to do it too not only just one session but like a second session that we were not a part of like we were surprised mm-hmm. by how many people were interested at least like 15 or 20 cool. or so at yeah. that point you no hadn't kidding. even shot a yep. gun yet right <clears throat> had not i had shot a gun at on the cookbook shoot with you last oh, summer we did a lot of that was the first the time porch. i ever shot yeah. a gun in my life but yeah i'd never shot a gun so you're in hunter safety, mm-hmm. and was it like? Because here's the thing: most people, 
like most people that grow up around hunting, like you've already been hunting a lot or been around it. And then you go to hunter safety, you have a formality, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you went, having really, no, it was like, it was probably was presented to you as like honestly new material. Yeah, it was. I remember doing the online course, part of it on the subway and they have, <laughs> I'm not kidding. And awesome. then part of like, I remember it was like an interactive, you know, each course would be somewhat interactive. So there was one part where they were showing the different parts of like the rifle and you can click on the bolt, you know, it shows you and it would be like, click this to like, you know, yep. move the bolt and it would just show you how everything moves. So you can click the different parts of the rifle. You'd be like now pull the, tr- like click on the trigger to pull the trigger. And you're doing it on the subway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it was an eight hour course. You know? They didn't arrest you? <laughs> no. I'm sure you got a was, lot of weird yeah. glances. You know, I got picked up in the New York subway for having a knife. Did you ever hear the story? No. Yeah, I was in. Are we talking was, like Crocodile Dundee style? No, knife? no. It was <laughs> a machete. Like, like, just like this right here, like a clip-on knife. But it has to be a certain, you can't have something, it's it like was, a certain length It was though. this. This is a um, SOG Pentagon Elite. The one that I lost was a Benchmade, same style deal, years ago. Had a clip to my pocket, okay? And I'm walking at the I got off at the 14 I was going to do a business thing I, I'm going to I'm at the 14th street Union Square station and I'm walking to go to a meeting at a restaurant and we we're actually meeting with the people who run the restaurant so I'm walking <laughs> and I got the knife put to my pocket and all of a sudden there's like a, a a hobo figure next to me but he's not I just think he is, and he flashes a badge. He says, what are you doing with that knife? I said, I just carry this knife around. And I was living in Alaska, so I had an Alaska driver's license. So first, they take, they take me to this little, this little police station in the subway station, and they got my driver's license, and they're grilling me about Sarah Palin, okay? What? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, why do you have the knife? I'm like, I just have the knife. It's like, I don't, I'm not, it's like, you know, the only thing this I had sounds in my like hand, a test I would have The only failed. thing I had in my hand was a, a, a New Yorker magazine and a Benchmade knife clipped in my pocket oh my God. and an Alaska driver's license. And they're baffled by what I'm doing here and why I have what I have. And in the end, they steal my knife, or I guess they would say confiscated it, and give me a summons to appear in court for having a concealed or some kind of weapon. And I said, but I thought it had to be that it was like a long or three inches or whatever. And he said, it's a open assist knife meaning you can add a thumb stud on it and you can open it with one hand which made it an illegal thing to have now one thing leads to another and a well-connected gentleman makes a couple phone calls and within 45 minutes i'm instructed to tear my summons up wow yep gotta be good to be steve ranella <laughs> and i asked and i asked well what about the knife and this gentleman looked at me like i was the and moron and said forget about your knife and that was the end of it because i've heard a couple of times mr callahan are you aware that you have a bench worn out <laughs> nobody told me to tear yeah. anything up then no before, i was like that was it man now and then I learned not to, not, and then from then on, when I'm on those subways, and thank God I'm done ever being on those subways ever again, um, I'm real nervous about betraying interest in any kind of weaponry. 
I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like black buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the black buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. This show is brought to you in part by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stressors. Big ones, little ones. When you keep these things bottled up, it can start to affect you in a very negative way. Well, therapy is a great space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Like, figure it out. That means figure it out with someone who's impartial, who's able to sit down and hear what you have to say and think it through with you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Listen, there's no there's no such thing. It's like, you're not so tough. You're not so tough that it doesn't do you some good to talk to somebody now and then about what's on your mind, okay? Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash eater today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash meat eater. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX off-road map and navigation app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping and to use fully functional GPS when you're out of service. And as we all know, that being out of service is usually where the best places start. Plus, there's color-coded public and private land boundaries, which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Just download the map ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. I've been using OnX for many years. I use it, I'm not joking, on a daily basis. There is zero hunting I do without OnX. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. So I'll even, you know, I'm like, I'll be reading like a sporting magazine and I always feel like people are looking at, you know, that are kind of like, give me the stink eye. It's just paranoia. So there you are studying for hunter safety on that thing. Yeah. So you guys did hunter safety, then you had to learn to shoot. Yep. Yeah. That was interesting. 
It was very interesting. I mean, who knew that there was a shooting range out on Staten Island? Well, yeah. So how <laughs> they shot at a range had, on Staten Island? You had to help a lot, right? One time. How are the steps in order to be like, okay, guns, bullets, <laughs> shooting range? We spent quite some time out there, though. Yeah. They closed the range down the first time we went out there. Yeah, yeah I think they were a little nervous. <laughs> we told them we're coming out, oh, I was like, and we're gonna be shooting. And uh, no, that, they closed down because we wanted to come out and film. But a buddy of mine is a is a member in good standing at this Staten Island range, and we went out there, and they treated they like treated you guys like royalty out there, man. How far can you shoot on an East Coast gun range? Two hundred yard, two hundred yard bank. So you can. It's zero like the oldest head. or longest or something, like longest running. It's called Colonial Gun Range. And this is a gun range in like an urban area, and they spend most of their time and energy keeping themselves open. It's like every day is a new challenge to keep this range open. Great dudes, tons like tons of former cops. My friend out there is a is a driver, drives for the city, so he'll drive like politicians and stuff for the city. But he's a member out there. Tons of former law enforcement guys are members out there. And they go out there and shoot. And we went out and started learning how to... The first time we went out, we took a 17 HMR, I think. Sure. 7mm Remington Magnum. Mm-hmm. Did we not take your... Maybe a 270. Yeah. I think I we took something... I think it was a 270 a and... More powerful. The, yeah. Because you guys were, and the you were telling me one was crazy loud. One was super loud and really like it packed a punch. Yeah. Which one was that? I think that, that was a 270, no? Yeah, we were shot, it might have been 270. And we shot a whole bunch. We shot a ton of rimfire rounds at targets. And then we, all from the bench. And you guys shot some center fire, like some bigger rounds. Mm-hmm. And then you kept going back. So how many times, like how many range sessions? You had a number of range sessions after that with Joe. We went like once a month, I would say, for three mm-hmm. or four months. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where Giannis and I, before this hunt, Giannis and I, we went down to the range here in, in outside of Bozeman, and you guys are shooting f- fantastic groups. Um, Brittany hit a gong at what's the farthest gong there? Four thirty. Hit a gong at two. Hit a gong at three. Right. Hit one at four thirty, and then all of your shots were within. A, a palm-sized group at 100 yards, mm-hmm. shooting from the bench, prone over a backpack, and sitting with a with a bipod. Yep. All I mean, very, all very good shooting. I gotta just say, I, I think that's amazing and it, and it's fantastic, but it kind of irks me at the same time because I know so many people that have never ever practiced those shots. No, you go to the range and shoot, and then you think that's it. Yeah, they shoot three shots at paper, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's two inches high at 100, more or less. You know, Time to go hunting. You know, so, it, yeah. Just and you're never going to shoot a big game animal from a bench. Well, no. I shouldn't say never, but it's like it's unlikely. Yes. It's unlikely. Yes, that's a lot of what we, Helen and I had, and Giannis, we all covered this week. It was like, things are not going to be perfect more you can have in your head that things are not going to be perfect it's not going to be like some okay we're going to set up get things rock solid the elk's going to step out done deal get the bench set up (laughs) (laughs) 
get the sandbags out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you guys got cracking on the rifles, and then we took off. And the hunt we did was uh, there's, a, there's this area up there where in Montana, the way it works is uh, you buy what's called a general elk license. And, and the general elk license, depending on how many units are in, in – so the state's divided into seven regions. Each region is divided into a bunch of units, 10 or more units per region and when you buy a general elk tag it's like that tag has different value so to speak depending on what unit and region you're in and we were hunting in a region where a general elk tag is not good for a bull generally a general elk tag is good for a branch antlered bull and brow tine bull brow tine bull and not a cow but in this unit a general elk license is good for a antlerless or, or cow elk so we were on a cow elk hunt and leading up to it, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I said many times that success or failure on the hunt will come down to um, walking up and down hills. You did say that. It's true. Yanni, what, what, what was your first impression when it was like, okay, first time hunt, we're going after elk? You have to do it in Latvian, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Lana Donna. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it a good idea to do elk for the first hunt? Yes. Like, hey, we're taking Helen and Brittany from 30 feet above sea level, I'm assuming, somewhere in I don't think it's that high. No, it's like straight up at sea level. Or it level. depends on what apartment you're in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> third floor apartment. Yeah, what's my elevation? Brooklyn. I don't know. Uh, like, what yeah. floor am I on? Third floor, it starts at zero. Third floor above sea level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it depends on the, the crowd and the character, but, you know, they're rambunctious girls. They're ready to jump, you know, both feet in. Early on, yeah. You start with, like, a squirrel hunt. You know, that would have been smart. And then, and then go to a. Let me put it this way: How but they were, we didn't want, we didn't, they didn't want, want that. Yeah, didn't like just that. because we're women, we didn't want to be. You know, like whoa, it has whoa, nothing whoa, to do whoa. with being women. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just we saying. Did you take Joe and Brian Allen on a squirrel hunt? Right, exactly. hunt? No, nope. deer. Exactly. Deer. Exactly. And then they went to hunt deer at Bubbly Dogs. <laughs> not the first time. The first time they went to Montana to hunt deer, not in the damn mountains, not elk. Giannis, how long did it take you? And I'm sure you're, you know, you're a, a rambunctious male. <laughs> How long did it take you to kill an elk? It took me three years. I grew up in Montana, bumbling around the woods. Why well, a we- weird deal? Because my first elk hunt was, it was a drop camp. And then we did so poorly in the first four days that the outfitter that put us in this cabin. Who's we? My father and a friend of his. Mm-hmm. We did so poorly. They invited us over for dinner. We were like, there's no elk in these hills. We got ripped off. We roll over to the main camp. They're You're like, telling us over supper. Yeah. <laughs> we rolled in to the main camp. They're like, oh, we killed six bulls and we were tagged out three days ago. You know? We're like, really? <laughs> there's elk in these hills. Huh? So the outfitter took pity and took us up the hill the next day. About killed my dad and his buddy going up the hill. I had to stop him and be like, dude, seriously, I think my dad's going to like not make it up this hill if we don't slow down. Anyways, we make it up there. He takes me into the woods. Right, We've been hunting the same area all week. We walk in there. He bugles one time. I'm like, wow, 
that was kind of cool, you know? We're sitting there, and like 30 seconds later, here, you know, stick pops, and here comes a herd. Really? coming up through the timber. This is the outfitter, you know? Like, he took me out. Like, 20 cows filtered through the timber, like 50, 60 yards. Then two five-point bulls come up to about 50, 60 yards, and the first one turns around and starts sparring with the second one. And they spar in front of us for like 10 minutes. Just like a nice, light, little... You know, kind of a later October sparring, but definitely session. inspired by the bugle. The outfitter said so, of course. It was like, yeah, I bugled once. It was the and assembly that get, bugle. That gets some fighting. You know, no, 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 no. That just made him come up through this area. Anyways, I gotta hang out with that guy. <laughs> What's this guy's number? Round up the herd. Yeah, he doesn't. He retired. But uh, yeah. I hit the bull, but but I lost him. Oh, you did? Yeah, the first bull I ever killed, I didn't find him. Somebody else found him like four days later. We lost oh. him. No, really? Wow. I didn't know that, man. But that right there put the drive in me to, you know, make better next time. But then basically by a year later, 365, day, 365 days later, I was an elk hunting guide. <laughs> <laughs> With the same outfitter. <laughs> oh, he, those, he took a shine to you. Those 30 how, how minutes, how maybe you? 60 minutes together in the woods, and then me calling him the following month saying, hey, I need one of those beagle tubes. How did you do that? Yada, yada, yada. He's like, you know what? Why don't you come up and, you know, plan on spending three months in the fall with me. And what, what do you have you do? I would uh, run around the woods for about an hour in the morning. Then I would like sand and stain cabins all day long, and I would run around in the woods for about an hour in the evening. Before Just dark. educating yourself. Mm-hmm. When did you take your first client out? That next fall. How old were you? Twenty. Wow. Did you kill an elk that year? I think I had a couple misses. Um, but just, I, didn't, I didn't have anybody kill. How them. many elk kills have you been in on? In your career, mm, guided or including my own? No, your own. You guiding friends? I don't know. Close Ooh. to a hundred, probably. Yeah. All right, you got to excuse us for a quick ad break. We will be right back. Building a website can be a pain in the ass. If you know your way around coding, which I certainly do not, you still got to craft something that looks as good as it works, which is time consuming. But if you got a business or a portfolio or a restaurant or you're trying to make your name or whatever field you've chosen, you've got to have a website. There's no way around it. Thankfully, Squarespace makes it easy to build beautiful websites without all the hassle. They've got simple templates for you to work with. Not only that, but those templates are part of Squarespace's responsive design, which means your website scales to look great on any device. And if you just want something that's minimalistic but powerful, their cover page feature also allows you to set up a beautiful one-page online presence in minutes. There's really no reason to put this off. I'm telling you, when I was starting out as a writer, I needed a place to showcase my publications and to allow folks a way to see what I was doing and to get a hold of me so I could get more work. Over the years, I hired three or four different people to make websites for me, usually for a few thousand dollars a pop. But then I'd need to change something and I'd be screwed. I lost tons of money and I never had a site that was responsive to my needs. If I had access to Squarespace then and had taken advantage of it, I would have saved a boatload of money and time and I would have gotten my message out better. You can start a trial at Squarespace without putting in a credit card, and you can get to work on a website right now. When you do it, 
Make sure to use the offer code MEATEATER to get 10% off your purchase and to show your support for the Meat Eater podcast. Seriously, you'll help keep us alive by helping yourself to a damn fine website. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Where were we? So, yeah. Oh, did, he me, think it was a, did you think it was a good idea to take these guys? Yeah. Like, uh, no one gets totally, to go no, on an elk hunt for their first hunt. I know, uh, unless you know okay. Stephen Ranella. It's flat. It's <laughs> unheard of. You know what my first hunt was? Chipmunks. For like years, we hunted chipmunks and we smiled about it. And we didn't have chipmunks to hunt, we hunted pine squirrels. If we didn't have that, we got the okay to hunt for starlings because they were introduced. It's not that we don't <laughs> want to hunt squirrels, we do, you know. But. but you didn't want to do anything but elk. And I understand why. We didn't, well, no, we didn't specifically say, I don't remember ever regional, saying we wanted re- to do you elk. You wanted to hunt Montana or Alaska. Right. We wanted to do something that was going to be challenging. That I, you felt, you know, and I love where your head's at, Montana or Alaska. That's love it. Yeah, but elk is just—I mean, as you know now. <laughs> it's Again, tough I don't to think do, we man. specified elk. We did no, not specify did. elk. No, and in fact, at Chacho last year, we were sitting at dinner. Remy was there, and he—I remember him saying, "You can't. You should not go for elk as your first hunt because you guys, if you get an elk, you'll be ruined." Oh, yeah. is that right? That's what he said. Yeah. Oh. I remember that. I, I remember told, that? Yep. Yeah. I told Brittany this four or five times at least the other day. Easily. I hunted elk. I, I moved to Montana in 1996 and hunted elk, you know, 20 or so days that year. Hunted elk 20 or so days the next year. And then killed an elk the third year. And by then I'd probably, I'd probably killed my elk on my first elk, which was a calf that I shot with my bow on probably my 45th day of elk hunting. Sounds about right. Yeah. I don't know what the point of this uh, is. Yeah, you guys trying to make us feel bad. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just saying that, no, like... No, we're just... <laughs> it's, it's a good idea to take people on their first ever any hunt of any kind on, a, on an elk hunt. And it's just, like, it depends on the person. I'm trying to think of parallels. I'm trying to think of parallels. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, sexual things or food things or whatever. It'd be like, I think a lot of them, but those aren't really appropriate. It'd You're be saying like, it's so challenging. Like, for me, it, it, it was one of the, the biggest accomplishments, you know, to date at that point. I was like, I actually, I finally did it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is an elk. It just, it finally happened. Because there were so many days and so many failures and so many days without ever seeing or hearing, you know, deciphering like, you know, two-week-old wind-blown elk crap in the pintlers. Like, I guess they're here. Yeah. I'll just keep walking, you know? I mean, it's a very challenging hunt to start out with, so... Um, well, what do you guys think should be like our first, or what do you think would be a good like first first five hunts for somebody? Who's I think new to I hunting? think a person should hunt squirrels and cottontail rabbits for a year, and then they should do some deer hunting. I think ducks and geese are fantastic too. Cause ducks and geese teach you to get a shoot. Not there's anything wrong with what happened because you guys got the major crash course. So we went up this place. We went up this this small island mountain chain and mountain range. And we set up a tent camp in a little canyon bottom um, and started hunting. We had four, four whole hunt days. And the way this place works, 
this there's, there's sort of this resident herd in this mountain range and it, it numbers anywhere depending on the year from 200 to 400 animals and they tend to depending on who you ask either they spend their entire year all balled up in a big ball or they once the weather turns bad they ball up into a big ball and, and if you've never hunted out before it's like there's this there's this term used in elk hunting called like the herd right and if you imagine that you go to your buddy's farm he would never and you're hunting whitetails he would never be like the herd will come through here in the morning because like the deer maintain individual identities you know like there's like the whitetail hangs out here and some whitetails hang out there and like they might come out into the field at night but that doesn't mean that they all are but in this mountain chain this range, I keep calling it a chain, like a, like a small range, this big wad of elk is only in one place at any given time. So it's essentially, to, to, a, in a, to a degree, it's almost as like you're hunting one animal. But it just happens to be many, many tons and spread out over you know a big area because there's just this herd of elk that drifts around. And the goal every day when you wake up is to try to find like the herd. And it's... 600 or i don't know 300 eyeballs staring at you looking for you you know and you're trying to intercept this this moving target as this herd runs around so we started out just by climbing essentially climbing up into the into the high country to try to glass up animals and right. nobody every, had ever hunted here before none we of us had been there before talk to some guys that do hunt there we open up some maps. We get given some maps. Yanni printed out some maps. A guy said, here's a couple good glassing spots. And the first morning we're out, I go to the first good glassing spot, and lo and behold, there's two people there. And he said, like, the guy that gave me the tip, failing that, go to this glassing spot and go there, and there's four people on that glassing spot. We saw that night after hunting all day, we finally saw two spike bulls, I think. I was yeah. hunting with Brittany. Steve and Brittany were a team. Ryan Callahan and Helen were a team. So our first day, we pounded the glass, saw more mule deer than a fella has a right to see. Every buck who had his nose up a doe's ass, just rutting way hard. Brittany glassed up a man, another <laughs> hunter, who was defecating. And... There were a lot of firsts that day. It struck me. A lot of firsts. It struck me the um, the indifference this man had to his his little creation there. <laughs> he didn't and do anything about it. Just stepped pulled off up his pants and walked the away. Trail, pulled down his pants, did his thing. His friends a, were like twenty feet in front of him. His friends are right in front of him. <laughs> does a very brisk little cleanup. Just kind of throws the toilet paper to the wind. Pulls his pants back up, takes two or three steps, glances back, you know, just to see, like he was checking on his health or whatever. And this, <laughs> then just followed his buddies back to the truck. I never seen anything like it. Just and we could have been the only people watching. Complete disregard for all the people who were just pounding glass that day and happened to be wondering about what was wrong with the guy. Or and somebody that might be walking that trail the oh, next yeah. day. Or, yeah, or the guy, whoever owns the land. So we glassed him a number of high points that day and, and saw a lot of bucks. And then we um, went back at 
at dark, at dusk, we went back to another prominent point that was positioned way above camp and spotted up a couple spikes. And but the problem is this area we're in, um, can't kill spikes. You got to find cow elk and then climb down. And but you, Brittany, were, that was your that was like your first elk, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was in, it was incredible. It was like. First of all, I'm looking all over the place. I finally spotted like some mule deer. That was the first thing that I personally You glass up a rotten buck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you spotted that, which I was like, I have no I couldn't find them on binoculars. You pulled them up on spotted, the spotting scope. Pulled up, pulled up coyote. Yep. You guys saw a coyote? Yeah. He's looking like a, he's all majestic up on this peak. Yeah. We heard and then that. she got on the scope and found another one. He had a buddy with him. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was like the the coolest thing I had ever seen. Like I, I had, I mean, I'd seen pictures of elk, but I'd never like seen one probably in real life like that. So better than Google images, better than Google images, <laughs> easily and better than Google. We images. get down to camp that night and Callahan comes down and his, his story is looking in the same area. <laughs> he saw a spike and maybe a cow. <laughs> you know the dark one I just couldn't find horns in the spotting scope was that the only elk you guys found that day no we saw uh, a bull uh, um, in the other drainage all bedded down by himself middle of the day he was out we saw him first thing in the morning he was bedded down and then at like 11 o'clock in the morning he's out feeding on this wide open hillside oh is that right really and at that point i was like this is gonna be good like or this elk knows that this is a general <laughs> tag cow only area the king's x yeah mm. nobody can touch him so uh but i mean for helen right we saw a mule deer right off off the bat later on that would not be such a novelty <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we saw uh, the two spikes that you guys saw, but there was also a five-point bull in there that you guys didn't see that we saw. And, yeah, I mean, that that uh, pretty much was it. But then we saw those, what turned out to be the two spikes come back out of the timber at last light at, after we spent all day on top of the mountain bucking the wind. And... Um, Giannis got in a lot of push-ups, <laughs> got in a lot of team jumping Trying to keep jacks. up warm? <laughs> yeah. Our second day out, were you just talking about the second day or still the first day? First that was day. all the first day. Oh. That was all the first day. We did the big hike. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, please, but i Helen looked stunned. Helen looked like she had had the shock and awe campaign done to her. <laughs> that... Yes, that when you that got back was to camp that night. My impression also, I I tried to pick the most efficient uh, way up the mountain that still got us to the top of the mountain in in a timely fashion. And um, <laughs> what did you? What were you so shocked and awed about? I mean, I don't know. I mean, everything. You weren't yourself. It was for just mind trip, blowing. For most I mean, of the trip, you weren't yourself. 
Well, we really? kept. What, That's not true. I think it was no. after the first day only. The first day we kept me. Are you okay? You're like, yeah, I'm okay. Why does people? Why does everybody? Well, I was keep just asking? being quiet. I think I was just like taking it all in, you know. Right. I think it just, was more that than like being like worked over or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. No. Because you told me numerous times, you're like, man, I just can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm on the side of this mountain. I can't believe I'm way up on this mountain and looking at all this. Like it's just right. so much. That morning we trophy got, country is yeah, what she yeah, way was trophy just country. sucking it in. And that morning when we finally got to the top, we got to the top, and when we drove into this mountain range, everything was cl- the skies were clear everywhere, but the mountain was shrouded in clouds. Then we slept in our tents and woke up and climbed up and before it got light out, and got to the top of the mountain and it was reversed. The top of the mountain was sunny. And you were looking out at a sea of clouds below you. That was amazing. It was the most beautiful was, thing. Yeah, that was, it was amazing. Stunning. You were on an stunning. island. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was like you were it was like you were on Everest, man. Yeah. It was amazing. And there's a and then it got clear a little bit and there's snow on the ground. And mule deer to me are ghost like against the snow. Elk look like orange and warm. But like mule deer look just like little like ghosts, you know, like little haunted apparitions, man. They're just like crawling. That day it was November nineteen, just bucks everywhere. That was an amazing day. I think but, what's also really cool is like to see how train the hunter's eyes you know like even when we're driving around like steve would be like oh look there's a man dragging a coyote in the backyard you're like where where the hell did you see that you know or like or like ryan would be just be like you know walking around and be like oh two bucks like i'm like looking through my binoculars like you know i'm like shaking like where do you see that he's like i mean you you would spot things with your with your naked eye yeah exactly how in the world did you see that like it's like could be a tree it could be a bush like it's it's completely it's completely an acquired thing yeah i felt like towards the end you know i was like more careful had a system going of like how to glass and like yeah it's totally acquired just like having a game eye it's just i think you get a sense of um the shapes like shapes and colors i don't, I, don't, I really don't i don't know movement shapes and colors like animals like deer and elk they have eyes that are um out to the sides of their head they have a a, a poor ability to focus on things but they have a like great depth or uh what do you call it peripheral great peripheral vision to see movement i think like picking up my movement is really important but we have like eyes centered in the front like predators and um we can like make out shapes really well so i think it's just kind of like a movement shape thing and color thing because when you're hunting you spot your first something it might take you forever to fight spot your first something then you spot it and you know what you're looking for and all of a sudden the, the, the landscape comes alive with it you're like oh now i see what that thing looks like and then you're also like oh there that is there that is there that is mm-hmm. um second day we go out and Callahan had gone off after the spikes to see who else was hanging out there. We saw those leave. And then we had just a rip snorting of a climbing day. I don't think anything happened that day. No. I mean, that was when we, that was the first day we, I think we attacked the, like the scree slide area. No, something did happen that day. Right at dark. We saw four cows and two spikes. Oh, that's right. Yep. Four cows and two spikes right yep, at dark. Way far exciting. away. Way far away, yeah. Maybe twelve hundred yards away, going the other direction, spooked. But those you could see with without binoculars yeah. easily. Yeah, that was exciting. I was laying some deep stuff on you too when I spotted them. 
can't remember oh, yeah. what it was. Well, we were talking about talking female about, hunters. Yeah, talking about female hunters. Mm-hmm. What were you guys talking about? Were we talking about female hunters? Mm-hmm. I was giving the pros and cons. Pros and cons of female hunters? Yeah. Okay. Well, your what? cons were more. <laughs> the cons no, of female hunters. The cons Steve. were more just like about new hunters in general. New hunters in general. My like, for instance, my brother. I was explaining this to Brittany. My brother. Okay, let me back up one step. What was the most disappointing thing the first day we hunted? What was the thing we talked about most? Oh, how many hunters there were. Yeah, all the hunters. Looks like a pumpkin patch on some of the hills, right? Orange vests everywhere, all the hunters. Everyone knows, you go out hunting, and you see other hunters, you're like, son of a bitch. You know, he's like, no one wants to run into a bunch of other hunters. But on the other hand, I talk about and advocate, to, to some extent, hunter recruitment. And my thinking is that if, if, we, if we have more hunters, we have more political clout. And we have more clout on conservation issues. And we're a stronger voice, right? My brother thinks that hunter recruitment, he's like, why would you ever want more hunters? Why would you want more times when you're out in the woods and there's no place to go? And he says, and the same people talk about hunter recruitment talk about access issues. There's not enough access. Why is there not enough access? Because there's too many hunters for how much space we have to hunt. It's too hard to get tags. Like, you can draw your whole life and not get such and such tags. And he says the only people that really want hunter recruitment is the industry because they want to sell more gear to more people. And so they camouflage their desire to make customers as being something that's for the betterment of hunting. Okay, and I was laying this all out. So, and all of a sudden, here's these elk. <laughs> Going the other direction. And I optimistically thought we caught them or that we knew where they were betting. And they were coming out to feed. They looked a little bit nervous. And the next day we go down and realize that some guy had been running around on a side-by-side like a quad runner. And he'd come right down through that timber patch and clearly had spit those elk out. Spooked them out of there. That day, for us... Did you lay any heavy stuff on Helen? (laughs) I don't think so. Did I? Mm. I think not until we saw that herd. Yeah, and, and that ultimately made it was like the highest high and the lowest low in the exact in the in the same moment, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So why I is mean that? that that was awesome. Well why is that? <laughs> what happened? Well, we were sitting up on this mountain and ripping wind. Yeah. So yeah, we were just trying to keep warm. And while we were eating snacks and doing jumping jacks, the herd of elk had the herd the herd yeah had just passed us by and we didn't we didn't even hear them we were making a very well yeah calm, what are you doing you're having like a gym class up well, there of course you well, no, the wind was you know the wind was howling but, and so. we're making a very common mistake we, we make it often a lot of hunters make it often we're sitting on top of some peak and we're everybody's looking at like a half mile plus yeah nobody's even thinking about like a hundred yards game. away. Yeah, and two hundred. That, hit, to that hill just yards. had that roll. That like, unless every five minutes you're gonna walk out two hundred yards and peek over that edge. A lot could be going on. A lot, could, and obviously, a lot went on. And every every time I went to peek, it was purely because I was freezing. So I was like, I'm gonna walk down this hill and walk back up. And so at one of these points, you guys are having a little gym class out there. <laughs> strolls by a couple hundred head out. Oh, I I literally. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I was literally making our second oh, no. round of sandwiches for the day. Oh, my God. You were on sandwich position? Yeah. 
Well, they don't have bonding. My my better part part there, uh, Yanni was like, "Don't have another bar. Have a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> and while you're at it, make me one." <laughs> so what? How did? So you must. So we walked aware. over and we're like, <clears throat> "Yeah, we're going to leave. We're gonna yeah, like we're go, go for a tour. We're too cold. We're gonna yep. go walk around." And we see the tracks, and oh. everyone just stops and is like, "Can you? Do you guys like?" This is not. Th- this didn't just happen, right? Like, we didn't just miss like hundreds of elk just going by right in front of us. Tracks on top of our tracks, and you. One of the trails was like a foot and a half deep. Yeah. Like, it was a thundering herd. That's crazy. <laughs> so then immediately we, you know, go down that hill and try to. Follow the trail. Try to follow them, yeah, to see if, you know, I mean, we don't, it looks super fresh. So we're like, maybe they didn't go too far. And as we're walking, Ryan just like, slow down, like, get down. They're right there, you know? Um, so what do we do? We sli- did we do the slide down? We did the, sli- <laughs> we did the slide. Crab, crab walk, right? <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's like a yoga position or something almost, right? You're on your, uh, heels of your hands and the heels of your boots and you're like crab walking with your rifle in your lap it's the most deadly approach i think we never did it's, that it's tough on me yeah we did, did we? <laughs> ryan's uh, like, maybe i was doing it right <laughs> yeah ryan's like check check this one out you know well, it like, has what to be. Is it's a doing? deadly approach in some conditions you have to be coming down what's deadly about it is when you get with the thermals are right or the wind's right and the wind's blowing uphill, and you're above elk, and they always are, not always, they tend to look downhill the With most. the exception of one. Their assumption is that trouble's coming from down there. I'm at kind of the top anyways. I just need to watch down. And you're up above them, and you're crab walking, and you're crab walking down, sliding along with your weapon, bow, or rifle in your lap. And then when it happens, you just sit up and do it. You just sit up and you shoot, <laughs> Alan? Well, I think it's also worth mentioning that when we go on hunts, it's not just, like, two people, you know? We have cameramen. It's, like, not, yeah. you know? So it's, like, group no. of people trying to do the same thing, trying to capture, you know, the herd. I was complaining about that very fact today. What, that it's a group of people? Yeah. Well, it is, well, but, but how close did we get? I mean, with no, the group of people. What, like, 40 yards less? Yeah, 40 yards something insane you know because you could have shot with a bow yeah it's yeah. an archery shot but you didn't shoot it even with a rifle however what, did not. I mean, what was the shooting situation though? so we were looking downhill and there they were you know and I was like this is this is my moment like this is this is gonna happen right now and then I'm looking through the scope and Ryan's like you have to find your shot you have to find your shot make sure there are no elk behind them um, behind the cow so I'm scanning across, and it's just, they're everywhere. I'm like, I could shoot any one of these elk. Just pick one, you know? But as I'm scanning across, it's like, I could see, I'm like, I would stop at one and be like, I've got a shot. As soon as I thought I had a shot, I would see a head from behind just creep up right behind it. Or like a butt of one, just like slowly move back, you know? So, and... I guess one of them got spooked. Right. So the, right? the situation is if you take that shot, that bullet could potentially pass through that animal that gave you the 
the nice, perfect Google image shot opportunity and injure or kill another animal. I have seen that happen on several occasions. Right. It does happen. Right, and I didn't feel comfortable taking the shot, you know, because I didn't know, I couldn't see what was behind it. So I wasn't for sure that it was a 100% clean shot. Yeah. And how many animals were there? I mean, what'd you guess? 200, right? I mean, something like 150 to 200 elk. Yeah. Both bulls and cows, you know? But I just couldn't see behind it. It was just, you know, too sloped and couldn't see how far back they were. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we kept, you, you can never see through somebody else's scope, right? You can't see exactly what they're, they're seeing. So I'm saying, well, look to the far left. Look to the far left. They're, that one and is in the Count back 13 elk from the left. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's literally, it's like this swirling ball of elk. And, you know, for a brief second, one would, you know, from my perspective, like, stand out just slightly apart from the rest of the group. Uh, and then all of a sudden they were gone. And then they were gone. And I was like, oh, my, I mean. Ruined long it. gone. Yeah, I was like, that's it. It's over. And that was the end of your second hunt day. Yep. And I kept asking everyone, like, did I have a shot? Because I kept replaying that. You know, image. But there's no way to answer that question because that question is, is right. It's for from each, my. It's for each person. Right. I might be in a situation where I'm like, I would put a box of shells into those out, but it wouldn't be a shot for a lot of other people. And there's other people who would have said I would put two boxes of shells into those out. You know. I just yeah, I, I didn't feel but comfortable taking the shot. Helen kept saying to us was, "Great, there's 200 elk right in front of me, and I couldn't even." F- kill one like what what would people think like 40 yards away at 200 elk i can't even kill one so that that to me kind of stood out as like the lowest low of the whole hunt yeah it was like i mean it was amazing to see like that many you know that many animals that many elk but at the same time it was like it was like almost like a tease like there were all these animals so close yet i couldn't you know i couldn't make the shot yeah so it was definitely like, you know, I had dreams about that, you know. From yeah, 80,000 pounds of elk standing out there. <laughs> but, you know, it was a tease. It happened exactly that way because it had to happen that way, you know. Right. The hunt went perfectly. Because had you killed it then, I mean, think about what you would have missed. Yeah. It happened then after that. 40 tons of elk. <laughs> so now we're on That's conservative. <laughs> Day three, day three. Right? We wake yeah. up and I go down to reconnoiter the, the 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 five, four or five cows and two spikes. We go down there to reconnoiter, run into a bull, can't shoot him anyway. Realize that what bumped the elk out of the timber patch wasn't that they're just moving from that timber patch to feed and then back into that timber patch, but some guy was in there driving around, and got a side by side stuck in the snow and spooked the elk out of the timber patch. Get set up in the windiest place on the planet. A calf elk comes pouring through a pass. We go to try to intercept the calf elk and intercept a, a gentleman named Kenny instead and had a long talk with Kenny. Never found the calf. Then Kenny informed us that um, he, in fact, was trespassing. <laughs> well, you just going to call him out like that. Well, I'm not saying where he was or what his name was. You just said what his name was. Kenny? I think there's a handful of Kennys running around Montana. I'm pretty sure. It was Kenny G, the saxophonist. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let it out. It was Kenny G, the saxophonist. And um, 
he was standing on public land, which he didn't realize, but he had accessed it by cutting through some. He's very frank about it. We had a nice chat. And um, it seemed like that was a common thing because as we broke camp today. He told today, us that that's how it works. Yeah, as we broke camp today, another fella and a young gentleman came strolling up through our canyon that we've been camped in for four days you know that we had access to and they were just like hey yeah we're, we're <laughs> supposed to be here kind of really maybe and you know, what was funny there too he goes how'd you guys find out about this spot <laughs> <laughs> oh. when oh i told God. kenny i was like as a matter of fact kenny we're on blm land <laughs> Not terribly, wasn't like uh, surprised or happy or disappointed by that information. Just <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, try to put the moves on his calf, could never find it. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like Black Buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX off-road map and navigation app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping and to use fully functional GPS when you're out of service. And as we all know, that being out of service is usually where the best places start. Plus, there's color-coded public and private land boundaries, which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Just download the map ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. I've been using OnX for many years. I use it, I'm not joking, on a daily basis. There is zero hunting I do without OnX. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. Rain or shine every day is a great day for fishing, right? And you probably got rain gear, but you shouldn't overlook sunny day gear. Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite Hoodie has you covered on the sunniest day. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite Hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on and having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. 
I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to, especially when this SolarStream Elite hoodie is built with broad-spectrum UV protection? We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow, so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head on over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all of their performance fishing gear. <sighs> Had just a miserable day. Wind. 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 So, so windy. Glassed up some elk that were very far away on what became known as Stinkhole Mountain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Climbed up in there, crawled a freaking mule deer, couldn't find... Um, couldn't find the elk. But I just want to talk about that for a second because the whole time like I've been trudging up these mountains, hills, whatever you want to call them, but I want a little credit for hauling ass. You did. At that point. I gave you a pep talk. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it motivated did. you. It did. Well, and I mean, it was just like, well, so there's you elk. We're going over there. You're saying it was your motivation. It was my pep right. talk. That, it wasn't that, the adrenaline. It was, it was like, my there's pep elk talk. right over there. We have to get, you know, to cross all these other very large hilltops to get over there. And to clarify, too. No, trudging. I was like one of those people on a weight loss TV program. Were you? I was so inspiring. <laughs> what? It was like the Gettysburg Address. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Like, you need to find it in you to kill these elk. And she just was like, you're right, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, for some reason, for some reason, let's go to the, let's go to the you uh, beautiful the man, <laughs> you smart, intelligent man. Let's go to that footage and and see if that's really real. To clarify, <laughs> though, trudging is the correct term. Many, many, many times in elk hunting, it is one foot in front of the other. I gotta be frank with you on that chase. I didn't realize the the hell hole that was between us and Stinkhole Mountain, and. When we got to the bottom of that thing, I looked up. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I did not feel like going up there. And we tried to leave after dark by a strange route that brought us pretty much into Canada. We were. We went up three tenths sure of a mile from Canada walking on the border. We saw Border Patrol riding along on the Canada side. We're like, a bunch of people walked down the road with headlamps and rifles, <laughs> basically walking parallel to the border in the middle of the night. Montana militia, heading <laughs> yeah. north. Settle the score. Yeah, exactly. 48 40 your fight. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was our third day hunt. So we get a cu- we well, have sat in the same spot. Essentially the we same spot. We glassed you guys up up there. Yeah. We glassed you guys too. Right? Yeah, so we're hauling ass. So we're bam- bouncing back and forth between two saddles all day long. Working on a hunch that these elk are going to magically appear in one of these saddles. And we, we're we definitely seeing orange all day popping in and out of some of the lower saddles and even right up where we are. And um, we go as far as building a blind because the 40-mile-per-hour wind is right in your face. How'd you construct that blind? This was some pine or uh, oh. some lodgepole boughs? 
we used uh, juniper, mm. you know, nice dense, um, and stacked it in with a bunch of, you know, just deadfall. And, uh, yeah, it worked out, worked out nice. You could just see right into this saddle. Um, but the only problem was you just had this ripping wind right in your face. Yeah. And it wears you down, man. It makes oh. you feel like you're losing your mind. Yeah, absolutely. Mo Fallon told me uh, last week, he said, he's like, I don't know what it is. When I'm standing in the wind, I cannot think. Yeah. He's like, I cannot form a thought. And it, yeah, I mean, it definitely makes you think like that um, or not think. But um, so we're back. Really didn't move. Once we got to the top, we did not move all that much. Um, basically, because we were every direction we wanted to go, there was somebody else already, you know, we came across some elk tracks. We followed the elk tracks. All of a sudden, there were boot tracks that dumped in on the elk tracks. I had that problem a lot. Turn around, yeah. go back the other direction. <laughs> We're like, well, maybe we'll go up to the other saddle um, where the you know the herd came through the other day, and I look up there, and there's two people sitting up there. Um, so I guess you know we're stuck, and then we get this distress call. It wasn't it was a well composed distress call, but it was we are going to need a pickup on the county road. In Canada, basically. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to follow this drainage. Hope you brought your passport. <laughs> we, we're going to follow this drainage to Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, we were probably an hour and a half from dark at that point. Yeah. And, you know, we were all the way on top and we wanted to play out the day. But, you know, our friends are facing a, a long, windy, cold couple hours on the road, no matter what, at that point. So that's definitely wearing on us. Yeah, the road, like the McCormick McCarthy novel, The Road. <laughs> yeah. That's our journey. That's right. That's our journey turned into when hours and hours went by and no sign of Callahan. I mean, what, six miles or more that more we walked that. on that We road? got off my map. Yeah. We had a big map of the area. I was like, I don't even know anymore because we just left the map miles ago. Now we're just out and... You know, trying to like, we we're talking about trying to find a farmer and be like, oh yeah, and my buddies with the guns who are out in the ditch, they're <laughs> yes. going to need a ride They're going to send Giannis and I, like the, you know, the friendliest guy on the crew, and then me, a woman, so it's not like super creepy. And they'd be like, oh, I didn't mention like, my friends in the ditch with the rifles. <laughs> they're hoping to catch a lift too. Yeah. They're pretty cold too. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were like they're a big second away from doing that before we heard from you. Snacks and coffee, they love them. <laughs> so I'm having this internal crisis that I'm trying not to relate to Helen I gotta interrupt I, real quick we're, we're, so, we're, we're running out of time alright but I want, I want to get this out you want to finish up the hunt yeah I want to talk about yeah. what happened on the hunt it's a so hunt story the the blind when I I'm constructing the blind what you're like does this ever work <laughs> <laughs> well, it just seems so perfect, you know. You were making it level to like my perfect, you know. I was trying to get a good shot and whatnot, and you're like, "Yeah, you know, I think the things about these blinds is that you never stay here long enough for it to work," <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, anyways, you get the distress call. 
No. So, like, well, we'll walk around to warm up. Then I want to end up at the blind. Because I just know the elk are going to come through that saddle for some stupid reason. And we end up at the blind. The wind is just still just ripping through that saddle. And, you know, the whole, you know, everybody's kind of like, well, uh, should we just call it? Because we got to go pick those guys up. And and I'm torn. And I'm like, I want to sit. This is going to work. I want to sit here. And it's like, well, I'm trying to be positive. Like, you know, let's just, you know, it's really windy. And I don't think anything's going to come out early. So let's just get up on top of the next little knob so we can look all the way down the ridge and look at the whole timber line. And we walk <laughs> 200 yards from the blind. And I look over and there's seven cow elk <laughs> staring at us. And I internally, immediately, I'm, I'm just like, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> And you're like, like I was saying, no one stays in the blind long enough. (laughs) Did I mention? And so, like, I sit down to, you know, lower our profile, and I'm half-heartedly, and like, yeah, get ready for the shot. That's not going to happen, because there's no way in hell these chicks are going to hang around long enough. (laughs) to provide a shot and the grass is like three feet tall for some reason and <laughs> I'm just beat mentally at that I was just like Ugh. and you know Helen's like should I put around in the chamber <laughs> <laughs> and at right at that point they all turn and blow into the timber gone like ghosts vaporize and I make second stupid decision of the day, which I never do because I've learned so many times is a terrible decision, which is I leave our packs. I'm like, just drop everything. Frustrated. Like, just leave everything. We're going to run up here to the next tree and see if for some reason we get a shot at something. So we drop our packs, run up to the next tree, which always leads to the next tree. (laughs) And I'm just... Just sit here. If they come back out again, internal dialogues reading as there's no in hell these cows are going to come back out again until dark. Like, but if they come back out again, it's going to be right <laughs> at dark. So just get set up for a shot. As soon as you see a nose, throw around in the chamber. We've been talking about this all day. If you get a shot, shoot. I'm going to run back and grab our packs. So I take that opportunity to have a little alone time. <laughs> I walk back to the packs and beat myself up even more about how I just screwed up the perfect opportunity that I just wasted an entire day of a four-day elk hunt setting up, and I totally blew it. And I'm like, I I just ruined Helen's elk hunt. I just ruined the entire opportunity. You know, that was it. And. I pick up the packs, I turn around, and it's like, uh, what, are, what are the, what do you, when people are frantically waving, 
I turn around and everyone's <laughs> like, like, I'm like, what, what do I do? Is there a word for that besides <laughs> free? <laughs> it's kind of like a jazz hands. Jazz thing. hands. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no! Like they don't, they don't want to really wave because they're afraid they're going to scare something off. But it's like it was a subdued frantic wave. Yeah, jazz hands. I think is what I was going for. And so now I sprint down to the tree with the packs and look around the tree, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, look at Elio!" (laughs) And I see like four bulls, like the very tail end of the herd, and. It's like 350 yards and 40 mile per hour wind. And so I'm like, okay, let's pick up the stuff. Let's go. We haul butt up around the timber, drop half the packs, drop the tripod that we've been packing around, drop the Helen's pack, uh, and basically get set for the sprint. And... Then we're cruising through the timber. And I mean, it's your story. Take it from there. What happened, Helen? Oh, I don't know. You were doing all this crazy, like, crouch running and, like, <laughs> crawling on the ground. And I was, I felt like I was so awkward at the movements. Like, you were so graciously just, like, trudging through the snow. And every movement seemed like, you know, it was, like, weight on me. Like, I couldn't move fast enough, you know? And we, I don't even remember what happened. Like, we ran up to this one. We got to behind this one tree. The whole time we were like, we want to have some cover, right? Um, so we get to this tree, and we don't have the tripod. Um, and you, you're pointing them out again, the hunter's eye. Like I'm like, I can't see them. It's like all the adrenaline, you know, rushing through me, and I'm like, I can't see them. You're like, you're like, breathe. <laughs> like <laughs> you see right there. You're pointing at all these different like landmarks. You see the dark, the dark patch of timber. Um, I I find that in my scope, but it runs away. Like basically, as soon as I get in my scope, it just walks away. And I look at you, and I'm like, "This is happening again." Like it's in my scope, and then it's gone. And you're like, "There's another one right to the left of it." Do you see that one? How far away were they? Like 270 yards, maybe less or more. I don't they, know. The furthest was like 260, and the closest was 226. Okay, that's a long shot. And Not so, Joe. <laughs> so I see the one that he's talking about, so, and I look at it in my scope. But then there's a bull in front of it, and I'm like, "This is this is like replaying. This is like deja vu, just happening again." I don't have a shot. And as soon as I'm like, you know, I'm still waiting, waiting. The bull just slowly walks away, and it's like the cow elk is clear. And I don't know. I was like so nervous, but like we didn't have a stand. I'm like trying to sit down, trying to get a shot, but there was all that. Um, what was it? Sage or something? What? It, yeah, it was just grass. Yeah, sweet grass. Right. So I couldn't. I couldn't see. So you were like, sit up. You prop up the the backpack, you know, and uh, and then I just look at Ryan. I'm like, I'm gonna shoot this cow. I'm gonna shoot this cow. And at that point, I was kind of like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, that's like the most firm statement I've ever heard Helen make. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> And uh, and then because it was so windy, you had kind of pointed me to shoot um, at the shoulder, right? Yep. And that was that. And 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 then I couldn't tell, like my hands were shaking afterwards. I was like, I kept asking you, like, did I miss? Like, 
you know? And you, you kept like walking, like let's walk forward, look through the binoculars, have your rifle ready. And you were like, these things are tough. Like you might have to shoot it again. And I looked at you like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. It was very clear at that moment that nobody had said, hey, sometimes. Yeah, they'll be sitting there. Um, so, yeah, we're getting closer to it. And you, you kept looking through the binoculars. I kept looking through my binoculars, but my hands were shaking. So you kept being like, what do you see? And I was like, I can't see anything. My <laughs> hands are shaking. <laughs> oh. um, but, yeah, you know, we approached it and. It was amazing. It was like one of the most like, amazing experiences. Did you have remorse? Um, I don't know. I was telling, I think I was telling you guys earlier, like I felt, I was really emotional when we made the first approach earlier that day to the two bulls. Then I was, you know, I think when I came up to it, I was just like in awe, like yeah. how huge this animal was. and Beautiful. You yeah. know, yeah, absolutely beautiful. Um, I want to make this quick. Yeah. So, you guys had no fourth hunt day. You got to butcher. Yep. And hang out, socialize, <laughs> be warm. That's and, not true. And me and Brittany were out pounding the mountain. And right off the bat, we got we go up basically to where Helen tagged out and got onto the herd and tried to catch them before they got in the timber, but they were already in the timber, and we picked up the trail, which you can't miss. Anybody be able to track them? I mean, it's like it looks like a rototiller. Yeah, went through the snow. Yep, and you could smell them too. Oh, I'd smell them loud and clear. I had never. Know? You were like, "Can you smell them?" And I was like, oh. "And then all of a sudden, I was just like, wow. Yeah, absolutely.'" And we got just minutes into the timber, 150 yards into the timber, and it was just elk from one. I mean, just everywhere. And the, it's a thick. Packer pole, lodge pole, dog hair lodge pole, however you want to put it. And um, it's just all these gaps, and every gap is filled with some amount of elk or parts of elk or tons of elk. And we crab, we crab walked. And what happened? You might have crab walked. I don't know what I did. <laughs> I have no idea what but tell, I did. Tell about, that chase. tell about that chase, and then we're going to wrap it up. Um, like just from your perspective okay yeah so I mean you pointed them out and I finally I saw them through the trees Um, we went after them you know you're like oh just like one camera guy and so I was like oh this is kind of how they this is how it works like you know like (laughs) behind the scenes and we get we we find like a tree or something and you kind of you're like okay rest the rifle against this tree and chamber around and like chambered around and I'm like looking through the scope and I'm like I mean I can't tell what's what I just see bodies I see heads I see butts I see but I don't see like you know a whole elk and I don't know what's behind it and there are so many trees that I just don't feel comfortable and the herd starts side hilling and we're just ghosting it above probably 80 yards away yeah. but the timber's so thick i can just see glimpses they can't see us and we're moving along i'm like there has to be a gap in the timber or a scree slide or that's all we've been seeing meadow something like we're gonna hit if we keep going they're gonna have to cross an opening we're gonna lay out and they turn we do the same thing all over again and it doesn't work and so we eventually i mean they we eventually lose them right and so we're kind of tracking them. We find like this big, you know, wad of tracks basically 
go down like this crazy steep hill. I'm like, at some point I'm just like, I'm not even trying to like walk with my feet. I'm just like sliding down on my butt basically. And we go down um, and see. We hit the bottom. We hit the bottom. Well, we see, but before we hit the bottom, this was my last chance is we see those elk, like, I don't know, four or five cows, like right across this like little valley or whatever you yeah. call it. Um, like a cross canyon shot. Yeah. And you set me up on your um, pack and I'm like looking through it and you um, use your rangefinder and it's like what, 370 yards or something like that. 340. 340. And you're like, this is, you know, this is, it's farther than we agreed on, and it's super windy. It's you know howling again. wind. Yeah, um, and I, I have like some branches in the scope. Like I have the elk in my scope, but then there are branches, and I just didn't feel comfortable at all. Like it was too far. Then meanwhile, I was just spike about sixty yards away. It's yeah. like doody doody What's going on up there, guys? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like I was hanging around here in yeah. range. Um. Yeah, and then they they left they went into the next patch of timber and then you know but we we tried to chase after them a little bit we followed the trail and lost the trail and that was it man yep bummer for sure but i already emailed i already well text message doug when we got all done Brittany said i want to go uh do the thing that i had originally suggested we're gonna go Does that make you feel better? <laughs> no, no, listen. No. I respected you. Like, I respected your work ethic, and I respected you professionally, and now I respect you in the way that only comes from trudging through the mountains with someone. And what's cool about you is, I don't know if I was telling you this or someone else this, most people think they're, more, they're, they're capable of more than they actually are, right? You're like, oh, yeah, I'll go up that mountain, no problem, but you can't. You're capable of more than you think you are. Or more than you let on. So you'd be like, I don't want to go up that mountain. But then you just go up the mountain. Most people are like, oh, yeah, let's go. And they get halfway up. They're like, oh, I got a problem with my ACL. Or like, you know what I mean? Or they, they, they come up with some thing that's wrong Shin with Shin splints, coach. Yeah, they come up with some thing. Like, oh, you know, this boot. Like, uh, you know, I put these new, uh, you know, insoles. And, you know, and it's like, you're just like, okay, it's not going to happen. Like, you told me it was going to happen, and now it's not. Yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't without my chair of a complaint no but you went up but it was funny because at the end of it i was exhausted and i realized you went the same distance i went and it was i'm glad and without nearly the experience training preparation that you have yeah i'm glad and i'm glad to have a couple days off now but i'm just gonna throw it out there because i was with i was there for a lot of this hiking a lot of this trudging humping whatever you want to call it we climbed big mountains steep mountains lots of elevation and today we went on a little bonus hunt. Hunt was all we were done filming. We decided to go on another hunt. Me and Yanni and Cal. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was no. Try to get more. <laughs> try to get more meat in everyone's freezers. I actually was thinking. I was like, well, I'll just wake Brittany up and see if she wants to go. And I was informed that I would get punched in the mustache. In the mustache, right? A swift punch to the mustache. Yeah. We'll save what happened on our hunt for another podcast because we're out of time but I will mention that all of us Steve included were saying how we'll be glad to get a couple days off of humping the hills and not do it again like tonight we'd rather just sit in a hotel room and got some dinner and get some rest so, yeah 
unbelievable job though can i give I you mean, a teaser first time hunt. no i was gonna give a teaser right? about what happened this morning but i'm not gonna give a teaser about it oh i think we should just everybody had their own little private screw up <laughs> oh absolutely oh um, i think we should give some accolades to our first time hunters now i, 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 I'm I guess they're just, are they just hunters now or are Second, I mean, they're hunters. First time. I think I'm a hiker. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, That's the attitude. I, I like that. Hiker just a hiker and a stalker. It was a, to have a, it was a great. It was a great year long journey. It was a great year long journey from my perspective, and you guys did like a tremendous amount of like the education, training, taking the responsibility of shooting. Um, you had I, ne- I never heard of with Helen or seen with you any desire to take shots that were out of your league. A lot of restraint. Um, you had like you went into it knowing what you wanted and how you're going to do it, and you didn't alter that in the moment in order to like get one. And like, let me try to hit it. That kind of bullshit. You guys did a fantastic job. I'll hunt with you again. I'm going to go to Doug's farm. Right at home. You guys know Yanni. <laughs> well, I can't tell you the story. No, I'm joking. No, un- unreal, man. I, I I was incredibly impressed. Incredibly impressed. So, uh, yeah, hats hats off to both of you. Good job. Keep well, at it. Well, I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I think we're just, like, incredibly fortunate that we could hunt with pretty much two of the best hunters that are out there and like nobody not very many people get that opportunity so absolutely we're very thankful for you yeah. guys no and it means a lot coming from you guys mm-hmm. so it was fun let's do it again so Doug yeah. Dern if you're listening you'll have to put up a couple <laughs> extra blinds <laughs> heated blinds heated blinds <laughs> yes, on flat country <laughs> yeah they need to be the same elevation as the farmhouse <laughs> yep pretty much and we would like mid 50 daytime high maybe lows around 40 um sun would be nice and uh and some bucks rolling in we don't want to be there too long before they show up some maybe fresh like cocktails at the end of the day maybe yeah. around 7 30 a.m some bucks will show up um and cocktails are five all right from bozeman montana helen Cho, Brittany brothers ryan callahan Giannis Putellis, and me steve ranella signing off meat eater podcast take care